Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And welcome in, everybody, to our Facebook groups, to our YouTube groups, Twitch, and Twitter. This is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Scott Kennedy. Do not adjust your set. I do have hair, so it is not uh, Chad Jensen tonight. It is me, guest, guest hosting. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> he knows. He embraces it. He's bald and beautiful. Right off the bat. I'm afraid of what happened if I'd shave my head. Ugh. So, uh, But this is Zach Kelberman on this side over here. So if that's messing you up just a little bit, because usually on this side, we apologize. But Zach and I, we do this about once a month or so, and we're probably going to be with you all week. So uh, with with Chad taking some well-deserved time off, and we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Zach, how are you doing, my friend? I'm a little exhausted from this week, Scott. It's been, I love it. It's a good kind of exhaustion, but exhaustion nonetheless. Um, Russell Wilson becoming official, having his presser, the Broncos signing Randy Gregory and that controversy with Dallas, the players they've added, the rumors. And now I see, it's a little aside here, Scott, but I see on Twitter, Suba Cravens, former Broncos safety, unloaded on Vic Fangio on Twitter. I, I tweeted oh, well, that must have hurt your feelings. I'm sure you jumped right to his defense. I was so sad for Vic, I can't even tell you. And but, so I learned today, though, Scott, that Vic Fangio disliked a Broncos player not named Drew Locke. Apparently, it was a widespread issue in the Denver locker room. And it just makes me feel better about Nathaniel Hackett. I couldn't be happier that Vic is gone, honestly. All right. Now, Sua Cravens, that surprises me. Um, I, I covered Sua Cravens when he was in high school. He was out in California when I was out in California. And this is one of the smartest, most well-spoken leadership, just marry my daughter type of kids. I don't know if he went off the rails and he's been, you know, eating paint chips and living under power lines or something <laughs> since then. But to hear him, to hear that it's him saying something, that carries a little weight with me. I, I love it. Yeah, he's uh, super uh, articulate, super well-spoken, at least the way he tweets, and uh, he's letting it all out there. And he even said, and this is just a quick aside before we get into it, mm-hmm. he goes, I know my career is over, but the BS, uh, I won't stand for that. And he just aired Vic Fangio out, and he said, Justin Simmons will co-sign. Chris Harris Jr. already co-signed what Stuart Cravens is saying. So I think it, be, it can be confirmed now definitively that it was a toxic locker room under Vic Fangio and just the breath of fresh air Nathaniel Hackett must be for those players. It wasn't hard to see. I mean, like like I said, you know, just coming from the outside in, and this was my first year really watching the Broncos, after, you know, it started off nicely, nice 3-0, but, you know, those were teams that the Broncos roster, they should beat. Um, And then watching them lose and then lose again. So it was by, like, the sixth game of the week where I said, this team's done. You know, they're. I, I think... You guys remember me saying that, you know, the phrase dead man walking right away. I'm like, this, yeah. this is Vic Fangio. Yeah. He's gone. Week six is when I was like, and I'd always said I was a little surprised that he was brought back to begin with. But by week six, that team had already punted on uh, on Vic Fangio. And you know what? It's times have changed. And, and we were talking just a little bit before we went on. It's like, how do you want to open this thing? I'm like, well, listen, it has been such a crazy few days that Russell Wilson seems like he's been a Bronco for at least a month, yeah, two months. For it's sure. been like 12 days. And he was just introduced three or four days ago. <laughs> you know, that's how long the, the news cycle has changed us, that it's just been a whirlwind. We're going to get into a bunch of that tonight. First off, let's uh, let's hit Christian here. Enough of Vic Fangio. Yeah, we got Christian De Jesus hopping in with a $5 super. Thank you so much, Christian. Good to see you. Hope you had a great weekend. Christian asked, Scott, do you think we should prioritize someone like Daniel Fa la 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 in the draft now. And yeah, regardless, let me just I'll I'll kick it over to you in a second, Scott. Um, regardless of who they target, 
right tackle, the offensive line has to be a priority. They did not sign Lyle Collins, despite me tweeting about it every single day and literally praying <laughs> for it. Work. Didn't happen. He went to the Bengals and respect to the Bengals for fortifying that line around Joe Burrow, but that's what I want the Broncos to do. They have to protect Russell Wilson at all costs. So whether it's Falalele or whether it's uh, Penning or anyone in the draft, they have to make that a priority from pick 64 until they don't pick anymore. I, I think you've got a chance that Falele might be there. A chance. Uh, and, you know, while we're doing this, let's, let's bring up some video on him. This is, uh, I, I titled this one in a way I had a feeling it might go pretty big on YouTube. It did. You know, 400-pound monster. Um, but it, here's him at right tackle, and people are making fun of me saying, dude, you, you didn't have to put an arrow into this guy. He's his own freaking zip code. Um, but at six foot eight, 387 pounds, he was 384 at the NFL Combine. Yeah, I think he can play a right a right tackle. Excuse me. Is he the perfect fit for what you want to try to do? Maybe not. Uh, can he drop some weight and play at a svelte 360 pounds? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If you really want him, I don't know that you're going to be able to wait until 64. I know right. damn sure you're not going to be able to wait that for Trevor Penning. I've seen Trevor Penning yeah. mocked as high as six. So it will cost you to try and move up for him. But there's other options that are going to be available but uh, as far as prioritizing, uh, I, I love it when guys are so big, it looks like their helmets are painted on their head. Like they're just, they're not really like an extension coming off. It just looks like it's part of his head. It's just helmet paint. Um, that's how big this guy is. And, you know, I, I like number six here, just bailing. He said, no way. Uh-uh. No, thank I'm you. Out. Not taking this decision. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. You know, is he a, a perfect fit? No. No. But that's why you're talking about getting him in the second round. If he was a perfect fit, you'd be right. talking about no way of he's going to go too soon. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter who they get. I would like him to be a target in the second round if he's available, but they got to make that priority number one. And I saw a comment from Dante. Maybe they signed Dennis Kelly, former Titans right tackle. He's still hanging around. They just can't go into the season, Scott, with either Calvin Anderson or Tom Compton, who they just signed on the right side protecting Russell Wilson. They have to fortify the trenches. They shouldn't be done yet, and I have a feeling they aren't done yet. Peyton has something up his sleeve. They have a lot of cap room now. Mm -hmm. In the last couple of days, we haven't gotten to talk about it, but Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton both restructured their contracts Why? less than a year yeah. after signing them. So boss move by George <laughs> Peyton doing that. Clear $12.5 million. you got to figure something's up there. They need a cornerback or two and a right tackle for sure. So we'll yeah, see what you don't You don't do that unless you've got something planned. Otherwise, you hold that for when you need it. Uh, you know, we, next year when something comes up, uh, uh, then we'll, we've got that restructure. We've got that ace in the hole available if we need to. You don't just clear cap room for the sake of clearing cap room because usually to do that, you got to come out of pocket. We've talked about when is it important to have ownership. It's important to have ownerships when you need to restructure somebody's contract and turn a salary into a signing bonus and pay them out five, ten million dollars right away. Um, so yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that one. I think something is definitely up. Right tackle. I don't think. I mean, that's the big the, the last real big money move left, right? I mean, slot corner, but you know you can you can get those guys for relative bargains, uh, so to speak. Uh, Dante, I want Tyron Matthew, uh, Mateo. I call him Matthew or Matthews all the time. Um, that's why we just say the honey badger. Yeah, I saw Barry in here, by the way. I'm not going to say your name. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of saying it out loud, but I saw Barry and M in here, so I appreciate you tuning in, Barry, if that's the real Barry. You're not getting Tyron Matthew. They don't need an older kind of over-the-hill safety in Matthew. They need a young guy opposite Justin Simmons. They are just fine as far as I'm concerned uh, with Caden Stearns, and they also might bring back Kareem Jackson on a one-year deal, so I don't think Matthew's coming to Denver. Yeah, you, you look at him and, and – and... That's one of the phrases I see all the time, you know, and, and I listened to y'all do it. It made me pull what Hera had left out here, you know, say, oh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is asking for $20 million. So what? That doesn't, you know, that's his agent's job. That doesn't mean he's going to get it. You know, and someone asks, what is, uh, you know, well, what is, what is Honey Badger looking for? What's he going to ask for? Who cares? What can he get? What, what is he going to be worth? That's the question. Now he was, let's see. Uh, three years, 42 million, call it 14, 14 a, a piece average. No, 30 years old, maybe half that. Do you think about bringing him in if you go seven to eight? Maybe, maybe I'm interested, um, but I could think other ways. I'd still rather take an extra five and pour it into the right tackle position. Exactly. 
Yeah, I'm not wasting money on safety. That's a luxury signing, Tyron Matthew. They need a right tackle. They need a slot cornerback. And Jay Stylos, Stylos, however you pronounce your name, Jay, we appreciate you. What corner is left in free agency that can help out the Broncos? I've heard rumblings that Broncos players are following Stephon Gilmore on social media. He's still available, former Panther, former Patriot. He's more of a boundary corner, though. The Broncos need a slot guy. They're also looking to bring back Bryce Callahan. George Payton confirmed that, and also along with him, Kareem Jackson. So they're going to get at least one, and even Payton said one, maybe two. He confirmed he's making some of these moves based around what teams in the AFC West are doing, and what did the Raiders just do? Bring in Devontae Adams. you got to have the cornerbacks to go up against him. Maybe Stephon Gilmore, but Bryce Callahan looks like it could happen. Well, typically... Your, your more athletic guys are on the outside, okay? And that goes for just about everything in football. So when you're not quite good enough for tackle, you slide inside and play guard. If you're not quite the guard, maybe you're smart enough to play center. If you're not good enough for an outside receiver, you come inside and play slot. So if he's been this guy on the outside for most of his career and you say he's a boundary corner, that's okay. When you're not quick enough to play guard to play corner anymore, they move you up and they play safety or they bring you in as a nickel guy. So I think that would still be a decent fit for him. I wouldn't be too worried about where he's been most of his career. I just wonder what can he be? And I, I think he could be a good slot. So, you know, or we get back to the point of, you know, let's move Patrick Sertan wherever. Let him be your X right. factor again on defense. And because that was that was kind of what we talked about at the beginning of last year. And then all of a sudden injuries came in and okay, we've got to we've got to use him outside. Um, but he would give you plenty of options, that's for sure. Michaela coming in with a very generous super chat. Thank you, Michaela. I have a feeling we picked too late to get a great right tackle. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's without knowing the board, I'm not going to say it's too late or too, they're not going to get a guy or a great right tackle. I mean, what is great? It's all subjective. They just need fresh blood. They need some warm body to compete with who they have. They brought back Calvin. That's great. They brought in Tom Compton. That's great. You have to have a third guy who can push them and made the best man win. I don't know if they might trade up if they believe that our tackle could go higher than 64. That's a possibility. I don't know after trading for Russell Wilson that Peyton wants to give up more picks and not just let the ball, the board fall to him a little bit, but they just need a guy there and you can find great players beyond the first or mid second round. I mean, there's a seven round draft for a reason. There's undrafted free agency. As long as you trust your scouts, they're going to find a good right tackle. Last year I was on the Spencer Brown bullpit horn, whatever you want to call it, Spencer Brown, Spencer Brown, Spencer Brown. And he fell almost to a hundred to 100. Exactly. And he started the last three quarters of the year for the Buffalo bills. And he was damned good. The guy, I'm not, I'm not quite, I, I was, I thought Spencer Brown should have been a top 15 pick. I'm not that, like that with Abraham Lucas, but I look at Washington State's Abraham Lucas, 6'8", about 3'30", and ran, I think, a 4'9". I've got it in front of me. Why don't I just look it up instead of sitting here saying, I think, I think, I think. Abraham Lucas, um, he was 6'6", 315, and ran a 4'9", um, with a 27-inch vertical, 7'25", cone. And a four-four shuttle. The man's athletic. That's somebody that if he's there, you take him. Done for 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 me. If he's there, you take him. If you're starting to get a little squeamish about it, maybe you trade up a few spots. He's sitting there at fifty. Okay, let me throw a fourth-round pick in here and Great. let me move up to fifty and grab him, um, just to be sure. Because I think he can be one of those guys at right tackle. Not quite the freak of nature Spencer Brown was, but I, he's. He's a little bit bigger as far as uh, weight, as mass goes, because Spencer Brown was 315 at six foot eight. Um, but I think he's a little bit more solid. Um, and, and I don't think they shouldn't made that mistake last year. I can't believe they'll make it again. And Abraham Lucas can be a really good player for you in the second round. I think Lucas is a good scheme fit for what Nathaniel Hackett wants to do with the West Coast system. But we got Jason Mayfield hopping in. Hopefully no relation to Baker Mayfield, the soon-to-be former Browns quarterback. $5 super up there in Canada. We appreciate you, Jason. Thank you so much. Hope you're having a great evening. And also, Steve, thank you for the stars, sir. Yep, thank you for the stars. And Gary Leaves Palmer, I'm clicking on my Facebook page like it's about this show over here. So let me see if I can find them. That's the problem. You're talking about wanting two screens. You can get confused really easily when you're yeah. looking at two screens. Uh, Gary came in with uh, a bunch of stars right here that uh, I would do this in the background. Big stars. Big stars from Thank Gary. Thank you, Gary. Make sure. So, Zach, that was a mic drop moment. Which one? 
you're gonna have to help us out. My, Zach has so many of them that <laughs> I didn't want to say I, it. <laughs> I I, I want to like zoom into the individual so I can you know, let's spotlight Zach. I'm uh, I'm assuming it was the the Falalele little theme song I had for him. I don't know though, but we appreciate you, Gary. Regardless, <laughs> uh, but Scott, let's get into the meat while we wait for some uh, comments to pile in this evening. Let's get to the meat of the podcast. We are going to break down the Broncos position by position, the depth charts after the first wave of free agency. We have a little over a month until the draft. Where do the Broncos stand right now? Let's start a quarterback. The conversation starts and ends with Russell Wilson. The Broncos for the first time since Peyton Manning have a bona fide franchise quarterback. They are legit again at that position. The only question is behind him. And they made an interesting signing the other day. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about it yet. That's Josh Johnson who's played for now 14 teams in the NFL. He is the definition of a journeyman. Uh, he played for Baltimore and the Jets last year, held his own fairly well. But like you said, Scott, and I want you to kind of give me your theory as to why. Why Josh Johnson? Yeah, I, I we said last week, you know, don't – when guys come in, they like to bring in a veteran that isn't ever going to play, but he's there to help be a coach in the room, a peer coach, so to speak. So, you know, a Crash Davis, except Crash Davis could actually hit the baseball for you Bull Durham fans. And, Zach, if you haven't seen Bull Durham, go watch Bull Durham. Um, so you're bringing somebody in there to help implement the new system, the new language, all this. That was a guy I was expected to come in. So when I see Josh Johnson come in at 35 years old and he's played for a bunch of teams, I'm like, okay, where's the connection? This is the guy. All right, maybe it's not. the. Maybe he doesn't have that in his background. However, Zach, that's why he's here. He's not here to, to play. He's not here to play games. He's only started, right. you know, I think you mentioned that he, he's played for all 32 teams in the NFL and a couple of expansion teams in the CFL. Um, you know, he started nine games in his, his career. If I'm even looking at the right guy, if that's, that it's, it's he's been around so much. He's it's only started um, nine games in his career so far. So he's not here to play. He's here to help Nathaniel Hackett and, and Alton. Maybe there's a connection there that I don't know about implement the system and and teach everybody else so that everybody knows everybody else's job. So if one man goes down, the next guy knows, oh, I can fill in over here. Tim Patrick, you can switch sides. Cortland, you can play here. Jerry Judy outside. Russ, these are your guys. He's he's got that's why he's there. Yeah, you know, I'm not too surprised about the actual signing. I mean, he's if like a Jacoby Brissett, you sign him for the same reason. He's just a placeholder, veteran number two that if there is an emergency, you can break the glass and feel semi-comfortable with him. My question was, after tendering Brett Rippon, does this mean that Rippon's the, the distinct number three? Is he on his way out? Are they fighting for that number two spot? And also, because they signed a quarterback after tendering Rippon, does this mean the Broncos won't take a quarterback in the upcoming draft? I thought someone like Ellerby in the later rounds, or maybe as a UDFA, could help out the Broncos. They would have Russ. They'd have Brett Rippon, who's a veteran now. You know, he came in the league in 2019, and you have a, a young guy to develop in Ellerby. So the Johnson signing threw me for a loop uh, in that regard. Yeah, I, I feel like you've got that guy with Rippon, like, like you're saying. So it does – I don't know. It, it, it doesn't – throw you for a loop is is a good way to put it because I'm not speechless because I'm rarely speechless. But it, <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense on the surface. Um, yeah. He's not being here to, to compete to – I mean – He's not your guy. You mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Well, Jacoby Brissett started like 40 games in his career. He's He's been a starter in this league. He is, okay, this is my emergency guy who, who we're going to hope we can win some games with. I mean, Josh Rosen could be that guy for right. mistakes. Chase Daniel it, is a more appropriate yeah, example, I mean, this, I but this is this is this is a lot closer to what you have in Brett Rippon. Okay, this is going to be a future quarterback's coach and maybe an offensive coordinator and head coach in 10 years. So that one's a little strange. And so it makes me think that they they may not be done completely. You, you may want to stash a guy in the practice squad um, until you have to bring him up as well. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if there was someone with – I mean, I know this guy's experienced, but he's not an experienced player, so to speak. So, again, it's Russ or nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now it's Russell Wilson or punt. Yeah. I was going to say, if, if Josh Johnson enters the game, it's because your season's over and Russell yeah. Wilson's hurt if you're not blowing out a team. Um, but appreciate you, Mike, for the comment. Great show tonight, guys. Keep up the great work. Hashtag DB for life and MHH, Andrew Baker. 
what's going to ring better, let Russ cook or let's ride? I mean, let's ride right now is everyone saying that. I think let Russ cook is a Seattle thing. I think let's ride is the Broncos thing. So let's go for let's ride, guys. Let's make that a thing. I don't know. Let Russ cook sounds like, okay, well, what are we having? You know. (laughs) We're having we're having Chiefs and Chargers. That's what we're having for dinner. Yes, sir. Raiders. But you know, I I I like the let. Of course, as a motorcycle guy, I like the let's ride a little bit better as well. It is rather than someone who just had Golden Grams for dinner for like the sixth <laughs> out of seventh ninth in a row. I'm I'm more interested in the riding personally. Thank you, Andrew. I think let George cook, as in George Payton, is a, is a better go. expression. There's but the chef. We're gonna pivot to the uh, running back position, Scott. Obviously, the Broncos are set with Javante as the number one guy. Interestingly, they haven't brought back Melvin Gordon, who's toiling away still on the open market. I think the longer he remains a free agent, the the better the possibility he comes back to Denver on a low-money, short-term deal. But maybe they want to make Javante the RB1, not have a 1A and 1B. They want to have a 1 and 2. Still have Mike Boone. I mean, they can add to that position in the draft, but I think it's becoming clear that Javante is in for a big season. Yeah, and Bryant, thank you for the stars. It feels like a new name to me. I try and keep up with most of the names. And uh, if, uh, if if this is if you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, I apologize for not recognizing your name sooner. But thank you for the stars, my friend. That's a, that's a big help. And uh, I, I think Javante is number one. Period. Um, if you're coming back, you're 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 not being overwhelmed with a bunch of big money offers that we know of. That we know of. And if he comes back. Again, um, you're not talking about a 50-50 split. You're talking about a 60-40 at worst. And more importantly, you're talking about all of the important carries going to Mr. Williams. You know, the fourth quarter ones, those type. You know, we, we are down towards the goal line. Hey, thanks for the help, Melvin. Now we're down inside the red zone. Let's get Javante back in the game. Um, but it's more of when you're taking the touches. Because, again... I don't, I don't necessarily want him to get 30 touches, but if he gets 20 a game, I'm going to be pretty happy. I don't want him to get 30 and then say, okay, you know, he's done in three years. You know, if you can, if you can make him a Bronco for a long time, I think that is a, a good thing. And I think Melvin Gordon is definitely good enough. And again, most of the people that had problems with Melvin, well, the fumbles is one thing, but two is a contract, you know, at 8 million, you don't want him back at 8 million, but at four, maybe. Maybe. And one of the questions I always had when Nick and I would get into this, because he'd complain about his contract. I'm like, did Melvin Gordon stop you from signing anybody else? If he didn't, then don't worry about the money. If he's saying, well, we can't get this guy because we're paying Melvin Gordon eight, then you got a problem. But I still don't think it's going to, you know, going back to uh, Tyron Mateo, I don't want to put eight into a safety if it means I don't get the, the right tackle I want. And right now we still have needs on our shopping list. Uh, until I got the right tackle I want, I don't want to spend money on on Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I'm a Mike Boone truther. I love to see Mike Boone get a bigger role uh, in this offense. But I just think regardless, I mentioned this on the last podcast, you bring in two big road-grading offensive linemen whose specialty is blocking. You bring in a blocking tight end and also a franchise quarterback who thrives off play action. If they make Javante the number one and don't have him split carries, he's in for a 1,200-yard season maybe Pro Bowl. I just think everyone's talking about Jerry Judy and the receiving weapons, Cortland Sutton, this and that. No one's talking about the running game with Javante and how much he's going to benefit as well from Russell Wilson's presence. Isn't that great? I mean, he may be over – he could arguably be your best player on offense. Yeah, that's true. Arguably. I mean, right now it's like, okay, he hasn't proven it. Yeah, I get get that. I know. But last year, who was your best player on offense? Javante Williams. He was. Now you've got now you got Russell Wilson coming in, so you know a nine-time Pro Bowler. I'm going to give that guy the hat nod, the hat yeah. tip. But uh, but Javante Williams, and again, if, you know, to get to 1,200, you know, as far as RB one, it doesn't even really need to be the the guy. If I just take that slider from 50-50 and slide it over to like 60-40 carries, where he's getting 60 percent of the touches instead of half of them, he's a 1,200-yard running back. Yeah. Well, speaking of the receivers, let's get to them because not a lot to say here. Obviously, they have, I think, one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. No one really disputes that. I think Jerry Judy's in for a breakout season, but Mr. Dependables, plural, when you have Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, it's going to help out Russ 
tremendously help out the passing offense beneath the big three though. I mean, that's where it gets maybe a little murkier. You have KJ Hamler, hopefully coming back to full health. They would like maybe a younger number five to step up, but this is on paper, Scott, maybe the Broncos best positional group in terms of depth. And I can't wait to see what they can do. I, I think that's a, that's a fair statement. Um, you know, when you start looking at the, at the numbers last year, you know, there were decent numbers in there, despite the fact the erratic at best quarterback play, inadequate quarterback play through the course of the year. Um, again, you know, for the, the talk of, well, Noah Fant wasn't being used. Noah Fant was being used. He just wasn't being used correctly. He set a career high in catches. Right. But there were mostly, you know, stop routes, turn around and catch the ball and then have to get that, you know, that momentum going again. I got a 250-pound guy that runs a 4-4. I don't want him slowing down. I want to hit the ball to him while he's running and let somebody see if see if anybody if in that secondary is brave enough to get in front of him when he does it. Um, we know the quarterback play is an upgrade. We know that's not a question mark anymore. Every 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 talk we had going into the season was always if the quarterback play elevates, and it did from 2020 to 2021. Statistically across the board, the quarterback play got better, but it wasn't good. It was mediocre at best to below average to bad at worst, but 2020 was God awful. So you went in the right direction, um, but it still wasn't good. Now you got good, maybe great coming in and the receivers are going to get to show off. And you mentioned what a masterstroke it was. And again, one of those pull my hair out moments was when you were talking about paying these receivers. We just gave them big extensions and they're not being used. I'm like, dude, the raise is kicking next year. What this tells me is George Payton has his quarterback or promise him a quarterback. And these two guys, it's not going to be them because he talked them into and he locked up his his, his receivers on faith, on faith. And he delivered and he delivered. You know what kind of sway he has in the locker room now when he's talking to free agents or potential trades it's like why don't you go talk to uh talk to Cortland and tim and ask ask what i promised them what we do and we got him we got him russell wilson i want to give Cortland and tim patrick uh, a lot of credit for being willing to restructure after, before even a year is up on their contract big team player selfless moments there so tip of the cap to them real quick before we get into tight ends chris mcdaniel's asking is Cortland what he was two years ago no concern i really don't have any concern uh, it takes a player about a season to get over or reacclimated after a major knee injury so he should be a hundred percent now not thinking about it at all and Cortland was putting up borderline top 10 receiving numbers with the likes of, I mean, you guys know his quarterbacks. Now he has Russell Wilson throwing to him, other players around him drawing coverage away. Uh, Cortland's in for a big season, uh, not unlike DK Metcalf, what he was in Seattle. That would be Cortland Sutton to Russell Wilson. No this, the, the only reason I'm going to bring this up is because it is so far off what happened to him, but it's still applicable. And what I mean by this is I, I got a, a decent bicycle wreck once. I went over my handlebars and landed on my head. Had my helmet on. I was okay. Scratched up my face. No structural damage like you had with a knee. The first time I went to get back on my bike, I got faint. Uh, I broke out to sweat and I almost fell down. It was like my body said, my brain said, hey, dumbass. Do you remember what happened last time you got on this thing? Just completely subconsciously. So this is with the structural damage to a knee and a, a, a receiver, a skill guy, who relies on quick cuts, it's typically a full 18 months before they are 100%. And a big part of that is overcoming your brain telling you, hey, dumbass, you you tore up your knee last time you were doing something like this and you were on crutches for a while. So learning to trust that knee and do all those things. He did that last year and still came away with almost 800 yards on close to 60 catches with erratic at best quarterback play. At best, he's going to be in for a good season. Is he going to be what he was two years ago? I think. I think he. I think he. I think he will be this year. Twenty six years old. There's. He's going to be just fine. And I was going to say he he emerged from last season without further damage to the knee. So he's all systems are good for Cortland Sutton. And his brain works with you now. You're like, okay, you're, you're you'll you'll be okay. You can go do this. There's a psychosomatic element to it for sure. Uh, Mile High Mike ch- uh, chiming in. Alberto would be good. We're going to get to tight ends right now. That's a good segue. Alberto, and I have a story coming to milehighhuddle.com about Alberto. George Payton said the Broncos are very 
I think either really high or very high on Alberto. That's why, in part, they made the trade that included Noah Fant for Russell Wilson. Alberto is locked in. He's the tight end one. They consider him a mismatch. They can move him around the formation. They said he has to get better with his blocking, for sure. I agree with that. His hands have to be a little more reliable. But if he reaches his potential, you have another receiving nightmare in the middle of the field, a safety blanket for Russell Wilson. It's underneath Alberto that the Broncos don't have much right now. They don't. Uh, they brought back Andrew Beck as the fullback tight end guy. They brought in Eric Tomlinson as a blocking guy, but they don't have that number two. They don't have that. Hate to make the um, the analogy. They don't have the Aaron Hernandez to the Rob Gronkowski, and uh, <laughs> you might get that guy in the draft. Well, that might be a stretch either way. Um, you know, for Alberto or whoever they were to bring in, those those two guys were pretty special. Right. Um, and you don't need special Albert out of Albert O to be really good. Um. And he can be really good. And, you know, I, I was thinking just, you know, maybe Austin Hooper, maybe Hayden Hurst, some guys that I think that could, that are, are former Falcons, uh, Cleveland Browns guys that are good pass catching tight ends that might be available. Uh, but I also see a tight end maybe in the draft with one of these, yeah. these big picks. Um, Trey McBride right there at Colorado State, if he's at 64 and you don't like the right tackle available or do you haven't addressed that position yet, could you go that direction? Yeah, you could because. You could get a top three tight end in the draft with one of these middle or middle round, middle or is what I was going to say, middle or round picks. You're not going to do that at right tackle. So it's like, wait a minute, I can get the best tight end in the draft with a pick I already have and not to give it anything else. Okay, that might be worth doing. And then I still have to address the right tackle position. But like you said, Zach, you're not restructuring those guys who just signed new contracts unless something's up. Something's up. I'm making middler a thing from now on. I like that. It rolls <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> you know, the, the middler picks. You can't have More pro middle. bowlers at every spot, guys. So they have the great receiving weapons that they have. They have Javante in the backfield. If their tight end one is Alberto, they're still in really good hands. I don't worry about that. The latter guy as a backup. I saw Gerald Everett signed with who today? Someone. He got a multi-year deal. I thought he'd be um, a target for the Broncos because of the Russell Wilson connection, but it wasn't to be. That could be an indication. They haven't spent any money there in free agency. That can be an indication that they're waiting until the draft to add that second guy. Uh, Chargers signed Gerald Everett. Thank you, Kathy. Just jumping back um, as I'm scrolling down here, just, uh, just putting a kind of bow on the running back. Uh, Jillian says, I like the split running back load because it keeps them fresh, especially in both or every down backs. I do think we can draft a younger running back. If if a guy like, and, and thank you for the comment, appreciate you being here. If they bring in someone like Melvin Gordon, does that make Mike Boone expendable? You know, is he going to be, he was on an awful lot of money for what he did last year. You know, he was, he was on number two money and got practice squad reps. Um, Thanks, and Pat. that's the way it's going to be. You shouldn't use more than two running backs, really. Um, so, you know, it, what happens with him? Is it going to, is it, you know, if, if Gordon comes in, is Mike Boone on this roster next year? Well, Gordon doesn't play special teams. And I feel like that's where Mike Boone would help out uh, yeah, under not the new... two or $3 million. I I'm, I'm a truther. I want the Broncos to unleash Mike Boone, the limited carries that he had. He looked really mm-hmm. good. Uh, so I think they'll draft another guy there. And if you have a, a threesome of Javante, Mike Boone, and uh, a rookie running back, you're just fine there. I think Javante is going to be a durable player for the Broncos. Yeah, I, I again, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me unless you think for for uh, for Melvin Gordon, you know, unless it's like okay, this is this is a, a missing piece that can just make us the fractionally better that we need to go over the top, you know, to be that guy. And and I think you're probably going to have some time with him with the running back. Some of these guys don't sign until like a couple of weeks before camp because they're waiting for the best move, right. um, and it doesn't really show up. So you say, okay, here's one year, five million. Uh, non-guaranteed, doesn't work out. I'm going to cut you after a couple of weeks. <laughs> NFL's just brutal. It is, yeah. We're going to get to offensive line because we have a lot to talk about there, and we're about halfway through the podcast. So, Scott, left tackle, the Broncos are good. They have Garrett Bowles. Hopefully he succeeds under Butch Berry, the new OL coach. You don't have to worry too much there. You have Calvin Anderson as the backup to him as it is right now. Left guard, Dalton Reisner. I still feel like he might be upgradable, but maybe a better fit for the West Coast scheme. Center is either Cushenberry or Glasgow or a rookie. I don't know what the Broncos are going to do there. Right guard, that's pretty penciled in, too, with uh, Quinn Miners. He looked really good as a rookie, and I think he's the future. 
and right tackle. Like, that's the question mark. That's who is it going to be? It cannot be Calvin Anderson. It cannot be Tom Compton, who they signed. It cannot be some random, no name, you know, former undrafted. It has to be a special talent, whether that's a veteran on the trade market or Dennis Kelly, who they can pluck off the, the scrap heap right now, or a high-prized rookie. I mean, you mentioned Lucas. That's one name. Penning's another name. They just got to make sure they can do the best possible uh, protection for Russell Wilson. And they should take a page out of what the Bengals did. They brought in Lyle Collins, who the Broncos had no interest in, by the way, according to Mike Kliss. That was a little interesting. Um, that would have been a huge upgrade, but the Bengals did not let him get away because they realized protecting Joe Burrow is the most important thing. And I respect Cincinnati for that. I hope Joe yeah. Beaton follows a similar model. You know, for all of their run, you know, in the playoffs, well, we saw what their undoing was in the playoffs. But for all of that run, they were still a 10 and 7 team that was fighting for their lives at the end uh, to just get into the playoffs. And part of that was because of how bad their offensive line was. Um, you know, so people kind of forget the big picture that they weren't a great football team. They were a good football team that got hot. Uh, and sometimes that's all it takes. But what happens if you, you don't even make the playoffs because you've got such a liability or worse you get your quarterback killed because your 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 offensive line is so bad so zach last year i think about the only criticism i had and i try not to do this too much without having more information but it felt to me like with the salary cap available and i know you had Jawan james at least that was the thought process but it just felt like the broncos could have swung bigger at right tackle last year that's what it felt like to me that's been the the motto out of my mouth the last five years. They just keep plugging band-aids at that position, and as they learned at quarterback, it's never going to work. They haven't invested premium draft picks in right tackle. They haven't gotten anyone dependable on a different level. That's why Lyle Collins, who's first entering his prime right now with experience, he just would have been a monster upgrade. They have to make it a, a priority, and I think George Payton will, whether it's trading uh, capital for a veteran or capital to move up, move up in the draft and land his player. They cannot go into the season with, again, Calvin or Tom Compton. Real quick about the guard, from what I've gathered, they're going to make it, I think, at least one open competition with Dalton Reisner's spot, but they have Ben Braden, the former Green Bay lineman who they brought in, Tom Compton, who has experience at guard, Natani Muti, Reisner, and Miners, for that matter, all of them – are going to be competing and may the best two win for at least one spot at left guard. And and you mentioned what's interesting is a couple of those guys could be fighting for more than one spot, uh, depending on how it goes. Now, you mentioned the center position. You know, Reisner was thought of as a center when he was drafted. Um, he played at the Senior Bowl. He played all three positions. So that was part of his appeal was that he had that versatility. Tr started a center. Okay, this is too much for a kid from Wisconsin, you know, from UW-Dub. Um, or I think that's where he was from. Wasn't he from Whitewater, Wisconsin Whitewater? Mm -hmm. Um, it's been a while. I'm already on to the next class. Um, that this was too much for him. You know, let's let's teach him how to play grown-up football and, and get the techniques and stuff right. But is that completely out of the question? And I know that Glasgow has some in his it is past as well. That could your upgrade at center be internal? There's a reason they brought him back. You know, there's a, that's one of the first moves they made this offseason was restructuring Glasgow so he can come back to either be the guard or the center. And Cushenberry, depending on how they feel about him, could be on the way out. Glasgow could fit him better considering his style of play, his injury history. I, I would he I think he was a better center in Detroit than he was a guard. So that can be a natural in-house replacement. Regardless, though, the Broncos have to come out of the draft. And, you know, preferably free agency with at least two or three more guys. They have to keep that cupboard stacked. Yeah, there was, again, the, the, the phrase that we used a lot when there were problems besides, you know, effort and attitude and uninspired and all those type of things was bullied. You know, yeah. this team got bullied in the trenches on both sides. And we talk a little bit about the defense here in a moment. That's been addressed on defense in a few spots. Now let's, let's see if we can do the same thing. Uh, and, and, and David Kilgore coming in with a super appreciate you, David, you, David. uh, says, do you guys see us going after JC Treader then for center? Zach, I haven't heard an inkling about the Broncos interest in a free agent center veteran center. I, I really do think that guy could be Glasgow and, uh, Cushenberry could be the odd man out of that rotation. Maybe as a backup, he can stick around. I haven't heard anything about Treader. They weren't in on Ryan Jensen at all. Uh, who resigned? I mean, that was obvious. He'd be back with the Bucks after Brady came back, but I haven't heard anything, and it seems like it's either going to be Glasgow 
or a rookie uh, going into the next season. Yeah, I appreciate you, David. I think, you know, with all the talk right now, the focus is on right tackle. You know, we've, we've spent most of the time on that position. Uh, but yeah, you're going to need some some folks coming in at center at the interior line position what, through depth and free agency. I mean, I'm through, I'm through the draft and free agency in order to promote competition in there because it wasn't good. The play on the interior line wasn't good last year. Uh, appreciate you. And let's let's flip over. I'm gonna I'm gonna. There's open no up way the that was a real last name, Kathy. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna try to pronounce that because I feel like you're trolling me. But I do agree with your comment here uh, about Cushion Barry. I just wanted to point that. Out. I thought my eyes were deceiving me, and then I saw it pop up again. But where were we, Scott? Uh, <laughs> Defensive line. I like Schmitty Diddle Diddle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew Baker. Uh, we always appreciate Kathy coming in as well. Um, yeah. she's a, a regular and a contributor. Appreciate it, Kathy. Uh, I, I thought this this question from Andrew who came in with some stars a few minutes ago might be a good way to kick us off uh, on the defensive side of the ball and at edge. Uh, so with hopefully being able to play with a lead instead of uh, – there's a phrase that I taught Nick that he, he's using all the time now. Um, in soccer, basically, you just try and not get scored on and play for penalties or maybe get a lucky goal. I call it suffer ball, and it's just awful to watch. I'm like, the, the Broncos played suffer ball last year. They're like, we don't really want to score. We can't score. We don't really want you to score. Let's just see if we can squeeze the life out of the game and maybe we'll get lucky in the fourth quarter. It was it was awful. Uh, so with hopefully being able to play with a lead and a defense having their ears pinned back, does Chubb finally produce like we thought he could? The Broncos have been playing suffer ball since 2016, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. Bradley Chubb, it all depends if he can stay healthy or not. That's been the wrap on him. And when he's healthy and on the field, he's a pretty productive player. I don't know about worthy of being the fifth overall pick and passing on Josh Allen. That's a whole other argument, but he's been pretty good. He looked like the long-term fixture opposite Von Miller. They never really got a chance to play together, which was a shame. I just hope he stays healthy. He's on his fifth-year option. He should be super motivated. He should be super inspired, not just for his next contract, but to be playing in a more active defense under a coordinator in Giro Evero, nailed it, uh, who's going to use Chubb to the best of his abilities and playing opposite Randy Gregory, who I think was a tremendous signing and is going to help out the entire pass rush as well. No one has more incentive than Bradley Chubb. Um, you're in a contract year, a free agent year, and this could be – if he goes out and lays a stinker, let's just say Dante Fowler's it out there, it's going to cost him $50 million. He's got 50 million reasons to go out there and produce. If he can't, he's done. If he can't go out there and produce, then he's then he's washed. He's officially, we're going to use the B word on him because that will be, what, three years? He hasn't been able to stay healthy and get it done. So this is it. This is your, this is it. And He's got more reason than anybody in the world to go out there and show what he can do. Have at it, big man. Get get it done. Uh, we're we're rooting for you, and uh, so is your agent. Crapper, get off the pot, Bradley. That's pretty much what his uh, motto should be. We'll stick with edge, then we'll hop to defensive line because we kind of skipped that position. Um, they're good with Bradley Chubb. I can work my way across left to right. <laughs> <laughs> on paper, they're good with Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. They have Jonathan Cooper uh, behind them, who is, I think, an excellent uh, number three. They tendered Malik Reed. He might be signed by another team. The Broncos would get no compensation if he walks, but they tendered him. So your four on paper are set. When Malik Reed and Cooper are your backups, that's an excellent position. When they're when they're they are your starters. That's a tough position to be in, but that's why the Randy Gregory signing was so big. That's why hopefully Bradley Chubb staying healthy is so big on paper. That's a pretty menacing uh, pass rush. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, going back to what it finished last year, you know, on paper to start the season, you're thinking Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and that didn't happen. Um, you know, and, and then it turned into Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper, and you saw flashes from Jonathan Cooper, but Jonathan Cooper was more of the, oh my God, this is a seventh round pick right. and he's decent. Right. You know, those are the kind of hopes. It's relative to expectations. If Bradley Chubb played like Von Jonathan Cooper, you'd say, okay, this guy's washed. We got to get rid of him. Right. So it, it's that that's part of it. Now, what you've got out of Jonathan Cooper, you're excited about, but that's not what you're going into, uh, you know, into the season banking on a serve. That's why you got Randy Gregory. Because you look at what he can do, and it's a whole different level. Bradley Chubb and a healthy, motivated. You think you think Randy Gregory would be a little motivated right now? You think just he's got bit. anything to prove? Just a little bit. 
And Chris, thank you for the the, the super sticker. Um, sometimes that people do this and then they uh, they kind of put their comment in later because it hit it, it premature uh, stickulation or something like that <laughs> getting out there or scars you. Oh, no. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and show this one just in case you wanted to attach this one, Chris. Uh, so winner of the West will have the best depth and coaching. Glad you guys are covering this. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Ooh, appreciate you being here, Chris. Thank you. Um, and welcome, welcome to the show. Best depth and coaching. Coaching. Coaching? Coaching? Do you put question marks after that one? It eliminates the Raiders for me because of Josh. I, know, that's what I was waiting. I was like, let me just tee this up for Zach here. Here's a slow pitch. Let me let me just tee this one up for you. Honestly, Brandon Staley is also very questionable. He gets, I think he tries to outsmart himself a lot of the time. So he has a lot to prove. And, and Andy Reid is Andy Reid. Until someone unseats the Chiefs, they're going to have the best coaching, the best depth. I mean, every team in the West is stacked at certain spots. It's more uh, along the lines of who has the best injury luck, what team stays intact and healthy throughout the entire year. That's going to be the team that wins the West. But until Kansas City, is challenged and beaten, we have to uh, still recognize them probably as the team to beat, as the best in the West. Well, and um, sorry, I heard some yelling coming from upstairs, and I lost my train of thought while I was looking at this Twitch comment. So, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and hit this one real quick. Um, uh, Raul Blitz coming in from Twitch saying, what if we end up with Dwayne Brown? And there's one of your tackle guys. Dwayne's so old that I covered him. He was in my first class in 2002. And I remember him out of Virginia. He had like size 18 shoes or something. And he was coming out as a, a tight end defensive end. And you see what happens to guys with size 18 shoes that are tight ends in high school. They become great offensive tackles. And he really did. And yes, that would not be a bad one-year option while you sort out the right tackle position long-term over the next 12 months. I mean, you can sign Dwayne Brown, you can sign Dennis Kelly or Marcus Cannon or David Quisenberry. All these guys are in the same tier. Dwayne Brown, I think, is pretty old as well, so he would be to get by on for one year. I would rather bring back Bobby Massey. It's not going to stop me regardless, though, um, of drafting a tackle and keeping a young guy in the works to hopefully take over, not just for one year on a year-to-year -year annual basis, but for five, seven, ten years, be a fixture at right tackle to pair with Garrett Bowles. So again, whether it's a veteran, they got us to look in the draft for that next guy. Uh, G Hill, G Hill coming in and saying uh, <clears throat> the very generous super seeing that orange. Thank you, G. Do you think we're done with free agency? Okay. Now, yeah. Zach, you know, we we're talking about the restructures and, um, you know, they're, they're freeing up money. Obviously something's coming. What if it's just for a Russell Wilson extension and it's, it's not for a nice free agent. Um, is it possible that you you eat up that extra money with uh, a forty million dollar contract for Russ, and you're kind of done in free agency? Well, the thing if they if they restructure Russ uh, to they actually give them cap space because they can spread out the cap hits over the course of the deal, uh, depending on how they structure it. They're not done, but in terms of making like super big major splash moves, I think that might be uh, concluded until the draft. They're going to maybe bring back Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson. I saw they had a visit set up with a safety. I think it was Josh Reed. So they're in the second tier, the third tier of the bargain bin now. Maybe they spring for some, someone like Stephon Gilmore, but maybe also the big splash moves are over. And don't forget, they need some money in the kitty for uh, the, the – the, um, undrafted class, the rookie class, rainy day funds. You can't have your cap that low. You have to keep some in it as well. So they'll make a couple moves, but if you're looking for the next blockbuster trade, I wouldn't hold your breath. And all of this talk about, you know, what you just said, Zach, the rainy day fund was the one I had ring in my head right when you said it. Think of the moves that were made in season by Peyton that were just good. You know, the linebacker position that they, right. they were filling in. Bringing, bringing those guys in midseason were spectacular. I mean, they hardly missed a beat. So, you know, having that flexibility to go and drop a million dollars on somebody instead of a instead of a veteran's free agent that doesn't count against the cap kind of thing is you want to have some of that in reserve, sure. But do but but uh Mr. Hill, Miss Hill, do uh do I think they're done? No, I, I do not. I do not think the Broncos are done in free agency. I would look for the next move to be bringing back one of their own. I hope it's Bryce Callahan because when he's healthy, that guy is an all-pro talent. Maybe Kareem Jackson as well at safety. But pivoting back real quick to the edge uh, position and the pass rush, Jason, Jason Mayfield hopping in $5 super. Thank you, Jason. 
Uh, just wondering, who do y'all think will be the Broncos sacks leader this year? I mean, you pay Randy Gregory $70 million. I hope he leads your team in sacks. And just with a full season, hopefully fully healthy, I feel like he can be a 12, 13, maybe even 15 sack guy. And the beauty of that is at least three to five of those will be sack fumbles, turnovers, game-changing plays. I think Gregory is your guy. I'm going to go with Gregory as well. I mean, it's he's just the most gifted of the bunch. Um, you want to say I want it to be Bradley Chubb as long as it's 15 or more. You know, because, uh, you know, if you've got the, the leader of your team, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a big surprise. You know, it was Bradley Chubb. Great. He had five. Crap. Uh, that means we didn't get much of a pass rush from the Denver Broncos and, and, and really improve out there. So if you can split 25 to 30 between those guys, my goodness, is it going to be a fun defensive to wa- defense to watch between your two edge guys? Let's get real quick to the defensive line. The Broncos have Mike Purcell coming back. Draymond Jones, who I continue to pound the table as a breakout candidate. And you just signed DJ Jones, the big free agent, big ticket addition, who's going to help out the Broncos run defense tremendously. They might miss Shelby Harris's pass rush from the front three a little bit, but that's why you brought in uh, Randy Gregory. Also, they brought back Deshaun Williams, who I think is a really underrated player. Uh, on the Denver defensive line. So they're pretty set there. It's not a priority to me in the draft. I would like maybe a little more depth, but your three, four guys leading the depth chart are good. Yeah, I uh, I was a big fan of Deshaun. That was my guy. I called him the Broncos preseason player of the year. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy's still good. Um, so I was I was still uh, happy with him. And, and David, I think we went after, uh, we talked a little bit, appreciate the super. We talked a little bit about Tyron Mateo, Mateo, Matthew. Honey Badger. Uh, earlier a little bit, could we go after him? Um, I don't think so. Uh, you know, what would it cost to get him? Probably eight to ten, maybe a little more. And I don't think you want to put that kind of money into the safety position right now, based on what you have and what you could have for a better price. Um, but there will be there will be options there. Uh, appreciate appreciate the super for sure. Um, looking at uh, you know. I like the, the the DJ Jones. I got DJ Williams in my head now. When you get old, the old guys pop into your head first. Um, so player, DJ man. Jones. Um, Nick and I went back and forth a lot on, you know, talking Falcons, talking Broncos. Who from the Falcons would start on the Broncos? And I'm like, Grady Jarrett freaking starts on your team. Don't give me any crap about it. And he's like, oh, you know, he's too short this. Not enough link this. I'm like, that's why he went to the fifth and he's a three-time Pro Bowler. He's just that reason. Yeah. DJ Jones is very, very, very similar to him. Undersized, you know, he's six foot with a motor, a V8 engine in it with a diesel that will just go all day long. Uh, quick hands, quick bursts. What do you want him to do? Do you want him to go after the passer? Okay, well, let's let's put him in it as a 4-3 defensive tackle and pass for situations. I love the signing. I, I really do. Yeah, we got a question here. It's a good pivot from uh, Brandon uh, Regan. Brandon Regan? Good last Brandon, name, though. Yeah, Brandon's been a, a lot. I actually wanted to say thank you to Brandon. Um, when I'm doing the leaderboards on YouTube, Brandon's showing up all the time now. So he's been a big supporter recently. And Brandon, we appreciate you for it. Thank you very much. Brandon asked, could Alex Singleton, the new inside linebacker they signed from the Eagles, former Eagles leading tackler the last two seasons, not one but two, uh, as you point out here, beat out Josie Jewell at linebacker. You know, uh, Brandon, based on the contract they gave Josie Jewell, it just came out, two-year deal, seven guaranteed. He, that's starter's money. They envision Josie Jewell starting at one linebacker spot, and they're going to have maybe an open competition. Don't forget, Baron Browning exists, and I feel like he had a solid rookie year when he was healthy, and he can be the future at inside linebacker. Singleton is um, a run stuffer, a special teams guy. I don't think he's the future there, so... You have Baron Browning. You have Jonas Griffith, who they tendered and brought back. He played pretty well last year. And you have Singleton now. I think those three guys will compete for one starting spot with Jewel being locked into the other. And um, I mentioned the word bullied before and how that was addressed on the defensive lines with a guy like DJ Jones. You got somebody who will seal your edge. You're getting Chubb back. You just got tougher in the defense. You know what else gets tougher? Alex Singleton makes you tougher against a run. Uh, if If you put any stock in pro football focus, Really good again in run defense, real decent in pass rush. A bad, awful in coverage. Well, guess what? I don't want him covering anybody. I want him in, in, in rundowns, and I'll have five defensive backs on the field with him. So he's going to make your defense tougher. Could he get one of those spots? Yeah, uh, he he could. 
Um, and you've got somebody that's been with you all year instead of trying to, as good as it was, I don't want to be searching other people's practice squads in October for my inside linebackers. Right. I'd like to, I'd like to have that taken care of before OTAs start. Hopefully Singleton's peck remains intact and not torn like Jewel and Johnson's were last year. I mean, I know we want to, we want to get on the strength and conditioning staff, but what are you doing to cause two pectoral injuries? That just sounds freakish to me. Right. You know who's still out there, though, at inside linebacker? A guy named Bobby Wagner. Bobby? It's not going to happen. I mean, obviously, after re-signing Jewel and bringing in Singleton, but it's interesting that he's toiling away on the open market. But we're going to pivot real quick from inside linebacker to cornerback, where the Broncos are pretty good, but they could be better. They're about to get a little better, I think, by re-signing Bryce Callahan to play the slot. Hopefully, God willing, he stays healthy to pair with Ronald Darby and Patrick Sertan on the outside. Beneath them on the depth chart, as of March 20th, right this moment, you have uh, Michael Ojemudia, who I think could be in for a decent year, uh, up-and-coming guy, and also with Sang Bassi, who's a backup slot. Between the four of them, if I did my math correctly, I think they have a decent – yeah, I'm, I'm already I, – I can't. I don't number at all. Between those players that I mentioned, they have a decent nucleus. I think they're going to add – um, a guy through the draft and a free agent. And I mentioned Bryce Callahan. That's in the works. According to George Payton, they're already negotiating. I look for that deal to get done in the not so distant future. Yeah, you're solid at corner. You know, it, it's nice when you're, you know, the first world problem of saying, well, we don't have a slot corner. You know, oh my goodness, you don't have a third cornerback. You know, most people don't have one, let alone two yeah. that you can count on and, and everything else that you've got. So, yeah, the, it, if Bryce is, did, Bryce resign or is that in the Not works yet. or that's something you were just hoping would happen? Well, they're negotiating. That's what George okay. Payton said, but no, uh, no signing's been official yet. Okay, yeah. When he's uh, when he's healthy and and Ojemudia, yeah, again, those hamstrings can be scary. They're just it's hamstring injuries are like voodoo. You're just you're not sure how bad they are or what's yeah. going to happen. Sometimes it's better. It's like yeah, he broke his ankle. He's out six weeks. That makes it nice and easy. Hamstrings can be can be a little uh, a little interesting like that. Um, Cornerback, you know, you're fairly set at corner. Let's go into the draft. And, you know, uh, I know Isaiah Oliver was out there. He he, uh, he resigned with the Falcons. Uh, Bryce Callum, but again, I, I think your best option there. But he, he was on like $8 million last year. You know, you know, we talk about Melvin Gordon. You know, was Bryce Callahan an $8 million corner? When he was healthy, he was. But not when he can't play at all, then he's just hurting the team because he's not on the field. But, yeah, those foot injuries and the knee injuries are definitely cause for concern. You bring him back, though, on a one-year, I don't know, $5 million deal loaded with incentives for uh, additional money, I think that would be a smart play by George Payton just to give himself some breathing room going into the draft. That way he's not backed into any corner and has to take a slot cornerback for the sake of taking one. We're going to wrap it up on defense at safety right now. We, we've talked about it all night, Scott, uh, what the Broncos could do there. They have Simmons, obviously, the all-pro locked into one spot. I don't see them bringing in Tyron Matthew. They, it's a luxury signing, and he's getting to be over the hill anyway. I'd rather put that money, like Scott said, toward right tackle. And I'm a big Caden Stearns guy, and I was a big Jamar Johnson guy. Between the two of them, you have at least one potential long-term staple opposite Simmons. I wouldn't touch this position until the draft. And I know that y'all kind of got on him a little bit, uh, you know, with KJ, with Kareem Jackson. Um, let me look at his overall numbers from – and player grades, If you again, if you put any into to pro football focus, it was warranted. Uh, the PFF numbers say that he wasn't very good. But I, I tell you what, you know, listening, listening to the talk, Broncos country, just saying, you know, where's the passion on this team? Where's the leadership? Where's the fire? And that guy will run through a brick wall for you. You know, I – he plays with passion. He plays with fire. Is there a way that you can use that and not have him be a liability in pass coverage? Maybe, maybe as a third guy, you know, uh, limit his snaps a little bit, figure out a different way to use him. Let him rush the pass or some use him as blitz packages. Let him cover a tight end. Some of the smaller tight ends, uh, instead of, a, a, I don't want him one-on-one -on -one chasing a slot receiver around. Um, but I was a big fan of what I thought – it seemed to me anyway what he brought as far as the leadership, yeah. the passion. And he had the flash plays on this team. I said this team, like, they always looked – on offense, they played not to lose. They did the same thing on defense. Whenever I'd watch somebody come in and look like they were just out to hurt somebody, you know, they are up besides himself, when they were out there trying to play old-school football and smash heads, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Kareem Jackson again. What's wrong with this guy again? 
Well, he's a liability in coverage. Oh, yeah. Well, that matters. I like Kareem Jackson. I really do. He's also old. And when you're old and a liability in coverage as a safety, it's time to maybe go for greener pastures, Scott. I understand the leadership aspect. I love his his spark plug attitude and what he's brought to the Denver defense and the tenacity. He's good against the run, but my God. I know you weren't covering Denver back then, but he is late career Darian Stewart. And I don't want late career Darian Stewart opposite Simmons. They can do yeah, a lot better. It's a it, it is it's a it's a harsh game. Um, and it, you know, father time's going to catch up. Everybody's he's, he's going to be 34 this year. Oh, fine. But you know, I, I don't want the Suns to set on his career. I, I want him to play as long as he wants, because he, he's one of the few guys out there to me that looked like he still loved playing the game. Like it, it hadn't been totally, the life hadn't been totally sucked out of his game. <laughs> and those are the kind of guys I want to play for as long as they want to play. Um, just maybe not with the Denver Broncos, but so when I see safety, I want, I, I'm, I'm a KJ fan. I am, even if, uh, it's not what's best for the Denver Broncos. I think George Payton agrees with you because he also mentioned along with Bryce Callahan, he's been negotiating with, uh, Kareem Jackson's agents and representatives, and he looks to bring him back more than likely on a one-year deal. So could be where Bryce and Kareem Jackson return and kind of shore up that secondary heading into the draft. We can get to specialists if you want. So I'm going to just – One I care punt. about, and that's punt return. Yeah, punt you know, return too. What, because they should just scrap the kickoffs as far as I'm concerned. I'm sorry, <laughs> kickoff, yeah, touchback. At least they don't go to commercial after every kickoff now. They used to do that. It's like extra point, commercial, kickoff, touchback, commercial. Boom. You know, I'm, I'm watching something else at that point. Um, so, you know, who, who's coming in as a, who's going to be your punt returner? You can have uh KJ Hamler back there. If he's healthy, I wouldn't mind Mike Boone. If he's, if his hands prove uh, consistent, just anyone with speed, a little reliability. And I think anyone, honestly, I don't think the next punt returner is on the roster yet. I think they're going to mm -hmm. use that uh, a draft pick to address that just as a guy who can uh, make some yardage after, uh, uh, receiving the punt because Deontay Spencer wasn't doing that. But my thing was punter as well. Sam Martin was good, but he's not, he should be better in the mile high altitude and they can actually save two plus million. If they make him a pre or post June 1st release, maybe they draft uh what's his name? Matt. Are Ar Ar What What's his name? The punter? Is that reason? And, and then, uh, is area Margo or somebody, the kid from uh, Georgia is pretty good too. The university of Georgia is pretty good. I don't advocate spending picks on punters. I don't spend time. The only punter's name I'll remember. I remember two Reggie Roby and, and uh, Ray guy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those so legends. after that, they, you know, they're punters. If they bring know. back Sam Martin under Dwayne Stukes, that's fine. But I feel like that's one area. Obviously they're good with Brandon McManus. So they're not going to change that. No one cares about long snappers. So maybe punter is worth uh, monitoring. So on that note, y'all, I think we're probably going to get out of here. We have a bunch of eyeballs tonight, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, Zach, do you want to you want to get us moving? Yeah, I want to say though, um, someone people have been pointing out about defensive line real quick. Uh, uh, McTelvin Ajim. I had one more point before I forget. I'm sorry, Zach, for interrupting. Uh, on punt returner, I don't want a guy who's my biggest question is can he stay healthy punt returning punts? You know, so I don't I don't want it to be Hamler. Sure. You know, if, if Hamler, it's like, what's your what's your biggest concern of Hamler? Well, he's, his hamstrings are made out of the same stuff that Julio Jones' hamstrings are made out. They're made out of stringed glass. Um, I don't want it to be him um, because I want guys that are indestructible playing special teams. I appreciate you, Kathy, because I totally butchered Matt's last name, Trevor Areza, I'm assuming, or <laughs> Ryan Sona. I'm, I just want Matt Connor. It's nice and easy. Matt, the rookie punter. I don't know why I can't talk tonight, but about defensive line, real quick, people have pointed out, and it's a good observation, guys, about McTelvin Ajim, who for whatever reason was like buried in Vic Fangio's doghouse the last couple of years. He has talent on that defensive line. He can maybe turn into the DJ Jones understudy, and if he's good for 5, 10, 15 snaps a game, uh, he can help out. You know, where did he finish? You know, the, the one reason why we forget about him is because he's been forgettable. I have to scroll. Wait, McTelvin Ajim, seven games, tackles, seven games, four. He had four more tackles last year than Zach and I. Why was he inactive for 10 games, though? That's my question. I know he battled some injuries, but he just didn't seem like a guy that was meshing with the previous coaching staff. 
hopefully the, the new staff is a little kinder yeah, to it's me. It's a it's a it's a clean slate. It's yeah, a, it's a clean slate. You know, whatever. Say, so, well, you know, I don't want to hear about last year. And if I'm walking in and and I'm Evero and I'm I'm hacking, I'm always I don't hear about last year. Right. Don't care. Show me. This is your chance. Clean slate. We got Russell Wilson. Who cares about last year? But that is going to do it, guys, for the Huddle Up podcast. Thank you, Scott, for joining me tonight, filling in for Chad. I look forward to podcasting with you uh, this next week. But follow us on Twitter until we see you guys next, which is tomorrow evening, same time, same place. Follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account, if my mouse would work, and I think it just died, at Mile High Huddle for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, transactions, and more. Uh, go to huddleuppod.com. I got you in a second, Scott. I didn't forget. Go to Huddle Up Pod no, if you I want. Gonna, I was going to click on him. I was nodding like you said your mouse died, so I was going to click on him for you. So I, I went and found him. I already skipped the the uh, Twitter shout-out, so I'll get back to that in a second. If you want a fancy hat like this or any other thing from our store, HuddleUpPod.com is where it's at. And, guys, please follow my co-host at Scout Kennedy. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Don't forget to go to Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. And please, guys, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest, yes, Scott, too, a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. And then, Scott, until you get a Huddle Up Pod mug, you are on probation to get into the— uh, I'm wearing the colors. <laughs> to the Covenant. I'm wearing the colors there. One step closer. Close, right? Close enough. So, no, appreciate everybody for being here. Again, it's going to be a fun week. This was almost a, a recap pod. Tomorrow we're going to get back yeah. into the into the the news and yeah. rumors and all that kind of stuff from around the NFL. We're going to Zach and I are going to have some fun this week. I hope you all join us. Yes, sir. Have a great rest of your weekend, Scott. Everyone tuning in, thank you for your support and interaction. Take care. And as always, come on, Scott. I feel like Come a on. fraud. Come on. I'll do it for you. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.